Blog Talk Radio.
uh, we changed up a little bit of the course, but uh, this was a very, very smooth course. He did a great job on it. And uh, and uh, we'll be having another uh, uh, Ghost of Goliad Fundamentals of Rifle Marksmanship course uh, in December. And then uh, we'll talk about this tonight, too, but we'll have the uh, Sparks 31 Grid Down uh, Three Percenters Communication course December 6th and 7th. Now, we still have a couple of thoughts left that uh, well, you can uh, wed yourself into if you want to, but you've got to be quick because I was just talking to you today, and uh, we're going to have to uh, finish ordering the rest of the stuff, uh, I believe, on Monday for this. So if you'd like to uh, uh, attend the course, go to uh, www.battleroadusa.com and click on training, and on the, uh, the drop-down menu, select the 3 percent Grid Down Communications course, and that will uh, take you to the page with the info. And on the info page, there is a sign-up uh, uh, button where you can sign up for the course, all right? So make sure you get signed up for that. Don't miss this course because this will be uh, the last course of the year. And listen, he uh, doesn't uh, travel down uh, here that often. So you want to take the course. This is uh, going to be one of the few times that you can uh, that you can get it. All right. Uh, Without further ado, uh, let's bring on uh, 31. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Nice to be on and, and to be back again. Well, thank you, because uh, uh, Sam put in the notes on the uh, on the call queue. He says, you're operating from your car, so I guess you're uh, you're on the road somewhere? Uh, actually, I'm uh, just uh, you know, taking care of some, uh, some business as usual. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I know that there's deep, uh, some deep, special deep stuff going on. Deep and occupied territory at that. <laughs> well, there you that you are. Uh, for those of you guys uh, that uh, that didn't listen to the show last time, can you give uh, can you give them just a little bit of a of an introduction to uh, to who you are and uh, and what you've been doing and why we should be listening to the things that you say. Well, I'm uh, Sparks31, and for the past year now, I've been uh, blogging about um, communications for uh, Grid Down and, you know, what everyone likes to call the, you know, for 3% uh, scenarios. And I've been in the communications field now for a couple of decades at least, and uh, some of it involved... uh, the uh, the left-handed path of communications, I guess, would be the best way of uh, of, of putting it. And the uh, this is important because if something happens, and we've noticed a lot of things happening, and it's not going to get better; it's only going to get worse. Uh, your normal communications modes, your cell phones, TVs, uh, internet, all that's going to go away. Um, it's going to go down, and it's not going to come back up again. Um, and if it does come back up again, it's going to be nothing but uh, opposing force uh, propaganda. So you are, won't learn anything from it um, you know, anyway. Therefore, it's important now to establish your listening networks so you can find out what's going on firsthand uh, in your area. And it's also very, very important to establish communications networks uh, preferably secure communications networks with 
you know, like-minded individuals. And one of the things I do in the 3% uh, slash grid data communications course is I provide an introduction uh, to that material uh, starting point uh, for students to, uh, you know, to continue and go on uh, in the, uh, you know, when it comes to communications. Okay. And <clears throat> And you and I were talking on the phone just a little bit before uh, before the show. What I'd like to do is uh, is well, well, you kind of just covered it just right just now. But uh, talking about the importance of uh, of being able uh, to initiate and maintain uh, contact in ways other than, like you said, that you've got uh, if something were to happen, because now. Uh, we get all of our information uh, from uh, from a lot of different sources, but it's all electronic, uh, other than the newspaper. And very few people actually get a folded uh, paper newspaper anymore. Everything you get now comes to you over uh, the the either the state or commercially supported uh, lines for television radio, uh, your telephone, uh, all of that stuff. And all of that stuff now is actually all kind of bound up together uh, on in satellites and uh, uh, and in other uh, methods. And were we to lose, uh, like, uh, electricity, and this isn't, this isn't some uh, abstract thing. I mean, it's happened quite a few times. And it doesn't have to be just, it doesn't have to be a nationwide or worldwide thing. It can just be locally. Uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, stuff like that. Uh, you could lose your ability to get any type of information whatsoever uh, about what's going on, things that are headed toward you, uh, the things that are going on around you. You're going to lose the ability to get any of that, or you, you could possibly lose that ability. So, that means that you're going to have to depend on yourself to provide a way for you to uh, to get this information. And there are very few ways to do this other than what you're about to talk about now. And that is uh, being able to, uh, uh, to maintain, to set up your own communication systems to get that information, right? Correct. And that's... You know, it's a matter of life or death, actually. The, the military, when you go through basic training, uh, for those listeners who haven't gone through and those of you who have, um, you're about, you might know what I'm about to say, the military bases all their training on three things, being able to shoot, essentially being able to defend yourself, uh, move, mobility, being able to get around, and finally the third one, which is what I concentrate on, is communicate. The ability to get information uh, from the outside world, know what's going on, and also be able to get in touch with the members of your group, your, you know, your organization or your tribe, your family, you know, so to speak. Um, so you know that they're all right, and all of you can coordinate what you're going to do next if something happens. You have to be able to do all this independent of the grid. Um, all your your, your communications basically, you know, from A to Z, have to be grid down. And I'm not saying you pitch your cell phone tomorrow because I'm talking to you on a cell phone right now. 
And if it wasn't for this wonderful piece of technology, we wouldn't be having your, you know, we wouldn't be having this uh, this interview. Um, especially since the, you know, the interview is then coming off my cell phone down into a voice over IP line and then being broadcast out, um, you know, to an audience of billions uh, over the internet. You know, it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) And there's, if I were to say, get on a local public radio station um, with this, you know, with this interview, let's just, you know, say theoretically speaking, um, you know, my audience might be local. Um, maybe a 30, 40 mile radius, but the internet, uh, you know, you could be in uh, Saskatchewan or Somalia and be able to listen to this broadcast over the internet. So the internet's, you know, overall a good thing, but it has an infrastructure that is subject to disruption. And when that infrastructure gets disrupted, you need to, you know, seek out an alternative. And that's what, you know, that's what we're trying to get people to do here. Uh, you know, with the great right. down communications class, right? And even if, even if it's uh, like a like I was saying earlier, even if it's a a local thing, you know, there's been plenty of uh, cases, and I've certainly read stories about this about the folks that were uh, they were able to establish communications and relay information and stuff. If you have uh, even just a very localized event, like a tornado, you know, comes in, mm-hmm. rips everything up, and you've got uh, you've got no way to know. Uh, what's going on in the outside world, and no one to know if that was the only tornado, if there's more coming. Uh, so, and like you said, you've got we have the phones, we have all of these these information devices, but as you also said, we we depend on other people and other systems to provide these for us. So down at the very root level, you need to realize just like you've got uh, a, a, a spare tire in your car. Uh, that you should be able to have something, some way, to establish your own communications, to, to get information from other people, and to try and send information out if exactly. this weren't provided. And you mm-hmm. can do this with, and, and you know, even if the electricity is gone, you can still have batteries. You can have the equipment that runs on batteries, and uh, and you can still uh, you can still get if you have out a boat. Yeah, if you have a fishing boat with a trolling motor, I know a lot of our readers, you know, a lot of our listeners, excuse me, like to fish, uh, that deep cycle trolling motor will keep a uh, low-power two-meter radio or a CB and a police scanner going for, you know, at least a few days until you need to recharge or possibly even longer if you're only, you know, using it, uh, you know, sporadically. Um, If you have a car, you can pull your car battery out, and while it's not, ideal because car batteries are shallow cycle batteries because they're designed for a really, really large amount of output for a short period of time. For a short period of time, car, yeah. I mean, But it will work. You know, in a pinch, it'll work. You can pull the car battery out and use it for a little while. One of those $30, $40 uh, jumpstart packs from Harbor Freight, that has a 17-amp-hour gel cell battery in it. And while it might be good for one jump if you need it for your car, that 17 amp hour battery will run, you know, will run a police scanner or shortwave receiver or CB for the better part of a day or two, um, especially if you're doing more listening than than transmitting. Um, and you know that that thirty dollars right there, and I think they're on sale for thirty dollars, or they go on sale for thirty dollars. I think they're about forty or fifty normally. You know that right there, just having that charged up and ready to go. Um, yeah, you can jumpstart your car for it, which is always handy to have, you know, for an, you know, for a vehicle emergency. But 
It's got a little cigar jack on the side. You plug it in, and you know, hey, you can power some, you know, some communications gear with it. Right, and that same Hover Freight uh, has uh, solar panels now, and they're, yes. they, they're, they're, as time keeps going along, things keep, keep getting cheaper and cheaper. The the solar panels that they have there now, that which were originally, I think, at one point like six, seven hundred bucks, you know, ten years ago, uh, are now only thirty or forty bucks, and yeah. uh, charging uh, these batteries. So, so you can, uh, this can all be worked out. This can be worked out. Correct. Where you and it doesn't, can... it doesn't have to cost a lot of money initially. Now, some of us have been in the hobby, you know, been doing this stuff for decades. So, yeah, we've, we've managed to acquire some equipment. Uh, but I'm not a money bags type person and don't have, you know, unlimited spending. So, you know, I've had some time to put it together. But none of us who are doing this have, you know, have large bankrolls. You know, we get what we can afford, you know, as we can afford and, you know, go at it from there. One of the things, and, um, you know, uh, Sam, uh, your, your screener, uh, wanted me to talk about this briefly, uh, so I'm going to oblige him. Uh, and we're doing actually a course up here in Connecticut on it the week after uh, the Buckholtz uh, grid down uh, for anyone in the Northeast who wants to attend it December 13th in Waterbury uh, up on my blog, sparks31.wordpress.com. One of the things we're talking about that I'm doing a lot of work with is this little USB dongle. They call it the RTL-SDR. And it's a $20 item. As a matter of fact, it's, um, I think with shipping, it's like $35, $38 or something from adafruit.com. Uh, and that little dongle, which was originally designed as a European television receiver, can actually be turned into a full-fledged, rather powerful and very, very sensitive, I've discovered, VHF, UHF communications receiver. That little $20 VR dongle, in some instances, can actually substitute and replace that, you know, that five $600 trunked radio scanner, um, you know, in some situations. Because there is actually wow. software out there that will... Um, monitor, you know, trunked radio communications, and there's also um, software out there that will work with your PC and this dongle uh, to decode the P25, um, you know, digital modulation that public safety uh, communications are now are now switching to. I might also add that there's a really powerful standard communications receiver uh, package on it as well, uh, called SDR Sharp. But now, an item that cost, you know, that normally cost $500, which is an important item, you know, police scanners are important because they'll enable you to get in, but if you don't have that $500 initially, uh, for $20 and a laptop and some free software, you actually can start listening into, you know, some of the same things that that expensive scanner will listen into. And while it may not be portable and you might not be able to throw it in your, you know, in your bug out kit, like you can a handheld police scanner, at least in a fixed installation, you can go and, uh, you know, you can run this. And they have, you know, inverters um, as well as laptop boosters, you know, laptop booster packs. So if you run out of power, you can still keep your laptop up and running. Uh, with this RTL-SDR on it and be able to monitor, you know, local communications uh, that are going on. And every day they are, you know, 
every day, I would say, someone is coming up with a new software application uh, for this RTL-SDR. Now, they may not have gotten close to the total functionality that a police scanner has. However, uh, they're getting closer and closer every day. And if you already have an old analog police scanner, um, yeah, that still works for a lot of the stuff that's out there, depending on your area. However, now, okay, you can't afford the $500 for a, you know, for a trunk tracker like that, uh, the unit in home patrol, which, you know, I've recommended. However, a little bit of elbow grease and knowledge, $20 laptop. If you have a local trunk system you need to listen to, you know, it'll get the job done. And that's, you know, something that you'll be able to, you know, to get information, uh, you know, communications intelligence off of. So if you don't have to spend, you know, a whole lot of money, you get, you know, you get an inexpensive police scanner from a pawn shop or from the local truck stop, an RTL SDR with your laptop, or even a regular desktop PC will work, any PC with a USB port that runs Windows or Linux, and maybe, uh, you know, a two-meter, you know, a two-meter radio, and uh, you've got an initial, you know, starter communications package going. Uh, Eventually, when you can afford it, um, or if you decide to go this route, you get some HF ham gear, and now you've pretty much are you know seventy five eighty percent on your way there, um, which hey, is sounds, a lot better than you know great. than nothing. Um, and you know uh, you don't Sam, have to you know spend it all on you know on one you know all at once. You can you know pick it up uh, in uh, in bits and pieces. The um, one of the things that I wanted to you know report on because as, as a lot of uh, as a lot of readers know, I'm kind of down on the. Uh, on the Chinese radios, especially the Baofangs. However, right, right. The, the newer the newer Baofangs, I have to say, while not great, are a cut above the original ones that came into the country, but they're still a little on the on the wonky side. However, there are three other brands of Chinese radios, TYT, Wuxin, which is spelled W-O-X-U-N, and T-U-X-I-N-G, um, those three radios are actually fairly decent for, you know, for Chi-Com radios. Uh, let's just say at the price point, you know, they're worth it for an entry level, especially if that's all you can afford. And then at that point, if you can afford to get a Yaesu or an Icom or a Kenwood later, okay, you know, you go get it and you save your, your radio as, as a backup. Because as with everything else survivalism related, the rule of threes, you need to have, you know, primary, secondary, and tertiary because one in none and, and two is one. So, you know, you get one of those and you get in, you know, so that's your entry level. Get yourself, uh, you know, an inexpensive, you know, Citizens Band radio for $30 from, you know, Walmart or your local truck stop. And, hey, you've at least got to start. Uh, you can always upgrade later. Um, and, you know, like I said, anything is is better than, than nothing at that point. So, and the Wuxin, the Puxings, and the TYTs, are uh, not a whole heck of a lot more than the Baofeng, and I'd say the quality level is sufficient that, you know, it's worth a few extra bucks. In fact, we were playing around with that, um, uh, a friend of mine, um, who I'll give a shout-out to, Franklin, in case he, he listens or listens, uh, brought up a TYT-TH9800, which is a quad-band mobile. And I think they're well under, you know, they're in the, like, two $300 price range, but it's a 50-watt radio, that covers the 10-meter handband on FM, the 6-meter handband FM, uh, 2 meters, which is 144, 148 megahertz, and the 440 handband, which on the FM portion is 440 to 450. 
And we threw it up on the bench, and there are pictures up on the blog. And for, for an inexpensive Chinese 50-watt mobile, the thing performed pretty well. Very, very close to the, you know, to some of the other, to some of the Japanese brands. So say what you want about the Chinese handhelds, and yes, I've, you know, I've poo-pooed them more than once. I have to say, though, that the mobiles, you know, the mobiles are up there. Um, and, and the price point is, and again, you know, as an entry level, it gets the job done until you can, you know, afford something better. Well, I'm glad um, you said that because there's a, you know, there are a lot of folks, and, and I've, we've run into this before on the show different times that uh, where we've, where I've even recommended some things that were, that were like bar- bargain basement price stuff, and they're like, no, no, you got to have uh, a special XYZ uh, device or something because it's the only one that will work. I will, I will say that a lot this. of people don't have money. You know, they don't have enough, right. a lot of enough money to do stuff like that. Yeah. So, I will say this: if you're not spending as much on your com gear and their related accessories as you are on your firearms, you're wrong because they're equally important. With that said, all right, there is a but to that. With that said. But if you don't have the money, then you know what can you do? Um, you right, know, something right. is you know anything is better is better than nothing. Now, one of the things we, we I have tried to do, and I understand that it's um, it's hard, if, especially if you're a lone wolf and you don't have a support structure there, or you're just starting out. I have mentioned on the blog several older HTs, like my personal favorite, the ICOM uh, IC02AT as well as the commercial versions, the H16 and the U16, which are the VHF and UHF commercial versions, uh, you know, respectively, um, 1980s vintage handhelds. And the commercial ones can no longer be used on the commercial and mobile bands because they're not narrowband compliant. Uh, they went to narrowbanding in 2007, and uh, which basically means they tightened up the, the spectrum specifications to get more frequency space uh, in layman's terms. But there are a ton of these radios out, and I was at Timonium earlier this year, and I wound up picking up an ICOM O2AT for $13 with spare batteries, uh, with a speaker mic, and a charger, which is a lot cheaper than any Chinese radio you know, you're going to get. And that thing is a Japanese radio, and they're built like tanks. They're solid. Right. It's a solid brick of aluminum. Uh, about the size, it's actually the exact size of a dollar bill. And uh, again, I've mentioned this on the um, you know on the blog that there are brands of radios, older ones that you you know if you see them at the ham fests, you look out for them because they're good radios. Um, the nice thing I like about the ICOMs, uh, those three particular models, and even if you find the older ones, the two ATs, uh, those are good two meter radios as well although they do not have, you know, PL tone generation in them to access repeaters. Although if you're using them as a squad radio, I doubt you'll be going through repeaters, you know, when it hits the fan. However, all those, uh, the, um, the ICOM O2AT, the H16 and the U16 will operate directly off of 12 volts DC. They have a 12 volt DC jack on the top and they'll actually also charge your battery, uh, while you're running off of 12 volts DC. And ICOM made for those radios, and it's still available on the aftermarket scene, a double A battery pack. And that is the one thing, if you pick up a handheld, a squad radio, try to make sure you can run double A's, that you have a double A battery pack for it. And most of them do. 
Most of them you can get at double A, and some of them I think are now going to triple A, but they're still mostly double A. They'll take anywhere from four to six double A batteries uh, in, in, in basically a clamshell that slides onto the, you know, where the battery pack should go on the radio. At least with that, you can pretty much charge up double A's with very many, you know, a lot of different improvised, uh, you know, techniques and methods. Um, and at least keep your squad radios, you know, in the fight, um, you know, and keep them running. I know some of the Chinese radios do have double A packs available. I know some of the Wuxins, Puxings, and uh, TYTs do. Not sure about the Baofangs, but that's something you want to keep your, you know, keep your eyes on because, you know, battery packs, you know, they do, you know, they get, you know, when the charge runs out, you can't use the radio and you need, you're going to need to be able to charge your squad radios uh, off grid. And the easiest way to do that is to, you know, run them off of rechargeable uh, AA batteries. Um, I mean, for a while there, up here at least, um, in the communist northeast, uh, the gun shows for a while were selling these cheap, I think they were 15, 20 bucks a piece, solar battery chargers. And, uh, you know, they would take everything from AAAs all the way up to D-size uh, batteries. And, yeah, it took a little while to charge them, but at least you could charge them over the course of a day and, you know, and run them. Now you have things like uh, one of the things a lot of the members have been playing around with, uh, with in the Sparks 31 Radio Club is this company called Goal Zero. And a uh, little on the pricey side, however, uh, good solid product. Uh, we've used them in the field. They work. They're very, very lightweight. They use lithium-ion batteries in them really lightweight, a whole lot of amperage, and Goal Zero makes solar cells that, that'll work on them. Like I said, a little pricey. Uh, however, you know, it's something to look forward to, to Harbor Freight. Um, Harbor Freight has solar panels, and Harbor Freight also has various charging things. I even think Harbor Freight sells solar battery chargers um, well, listen, as well. Listen, let, me, let, me, let me jump in real quick here because yep. uh, I've been pushing the... Uh, uh, the Walmart, Walmart has, uh, now they may not be on sale anymore because it's at the end of the year, but they, but every, uh, uh, like once or twice a year, they'll have these big sales on these solar yard lights. And the, the thing that I really like about them is that, uh, for like a buck and a quarter, you can buy this, uh, solar yard light and, uh, and you can, it's like for a buck and a quarter. They, I, I've personally had them running for up to two to three years, or just just out in the open, nothing, you know, nothing, no special treatment, and they've just run for two to three years, and they have a uh, a double A battery, rechargeable double A battery inside of them. So what I've done is I've got a rack that I can put uh, two dozen of them on. And I, you can put the rechargeable batteries in there. They will charge them. You can use it either as a light or you can just pop the battery out and use the battery. But for a buck and a yeah. half, that's a pretty good deal. Oh, yeah. Those are those are excellent. And, you know, these are things you can find just about anywhere. You don't have to mail order them. And more importantly, you can buy all this stuff with anonymous cash. Um, right. right. And listeners, you know, readers, um, you know, everyone out there, you know, look at places like Walmart, uh, Harbor Freight, if you have a, a big lot or odd lot store, up here the names are Ocean State Job Lot, uh, Big Lots, and there's um, yeah, Ocean State Job Lots and, uh, and Big Lots. 
those, you know, there's a lot of interesting things in there and in, you know, and in Walmart that you can, you know, go look for those little solar lights, um, you know, are, are, are one example and just, you know, look around for this sort of stuff. Cause all that, you know, all that'll come in handy to, you know, to keep you going. Right. Uh, let's talk about, well, you kind of, you've kind of touched on it already with the, the CB stuff, but, uh, if you, uh, if you kind of had a like not not a rating schedule, but uh, but say uh, say somebody is just getting into this, they just uh, yesterday go, oh no, listen, I just uh, I just heard about this thing called self reliance about taking care of myself, and uh, I want to start doing that, and uh, and then I heard uh, this phrase shoot, move, communicate, uh, so. Uh, I've got a couple of firearms. I've got a couple of old shotguns and this and that. So, so I feel like I'm okay there. So now I, and I've got some, uh, uh, like some food and stuff like that. But I don't have anything for communicate. So, uh, so where do I start? Uh, All starting right. From, first thing you know, starting from bank, first thing you need to do. On up. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first thing you need to do is, and I call it education and mindset. Okay. We'll start with the mindset. One of the things that is a pet peeve of mine in the three percent or in the prepper scene is a lot of this conspiracy BS. All right? When it hits the fan, you're not going to be worrying about whether the Illuminati or you know the Freemasons <laughs> or whoever are yeah. you know are planning on are planning on taking over yeah. the country. Um, and uh, so at this point, you need to concentrate on facts, not conspiracy. That comes down to basically two things that we've been talking about. First thing, which, you know, listeners who have been in the military are familiar with, is salute. That's the report that we use in the military for, you know, reporting activities, you know, reporting observations. And it stands for size, how many, activity, what are they doing, location, that's pretty self-explanatory. U means uniforms or unit, any identifying characteristics, uniforms, what are they wearing, civilian, military, you know, other um, time, which is pretty self-explanatory, and equipment. What do they have on them? You know, what are they carrying? What are they using? Any specialized equipment, weapons, what type of weapons, you know, sidearms, rifles, crew serve, any specialized electronics, sensors, you know, all that. The other one that we talk about is really easy, and it's the five W's. And that means who, what, when, where, and if you can provide an opinion or a good educated guess, the fifth one is why. Why? If all the three percenters and survivalists and fellow militia members who are listening this to this, if you decide to, to, to do the, if you see something, say something uh, routine, put it in one of those formats. This way, the rest of us know what's going on, and we are able to quantify the activity. That's going to be very, very important because intelligence and, uh, 3% intelligence analysis uh, activities are being generated, you know, are, are going to occur um, at a much higher level than, than you're probably aware of. And by putting it in that context, it'll help out, uh, it'll help the rest of us out immensely and help you out in the, in the long term as well. Um, 
So, you know, just having the, the 30 seconds of video coverage of the of the Union Pacific train with all the clapped out DMRO Humvees going to the, to the boneyard, uh, that ain't going to cut it. Uh, you, you know, you have to have specifics. A And I got to point this out in Ferguson, a two rows of white pickup trucks in a dimly lit parking garage ain't going to cut it, right? Need to have specifics now at this point. Um, everything has to be specific, and it should be in one of those two formats um, and be as specific and detailed as possible if you're going to report some activity that you're seeing. Uh, the second thing with the with the mindset is the education. Education is, is always important, especially when it comes to communications. Uh, I've mentioned all sorts of books in the Grid Down Communications class, the ARRL Handbook, Basic Electronic Texts. Um, I have a list of books uh, on my on my Sparks 31 blog that I recommend people to get. But if you're going to take on the role as a 3% or grid down technical specialist, your education is going to be the most important thing that you can have in your toolbox because they can't take away right. that from you. All right? After you get your education down, then start working on listening to what's around you. Um, get yourself a shortwave receiver. Listen to the international shortwave broadcast. Listen to the local alternative media broadcast. There's a lot of them on there, unlike WBCQ and, and all that. And when you hear information on those, apply my mindset criteria of salute and the five W's to what's being said. You know, are they giving out factual information or are they just, you know, engaging in garment rending? And that will enable you to filter things so you're not, you know, running around, uh, you know, crazy. Um, Get yourself a, a police scanner of some sort that's capable of monitoring your, you know, most of what's in, in your local area. Um, if you can't afford an expensive home patrol, you know, digital trunk tracker, get an RTL SDR and learn how to use it. It's not that hard, especially if you're learning electronics and radio communications. That's all going to be part of it. Um, at that stage of the game, you plug into your, into your computer. The, uh, yep. the USB yeah, that's port. the RTL SDR. That's the USB-based software-defined radio. Uh, okay. That's basically hey, taking over the communications monitoring community by storm. Sam, can you uh, can you put a uh, link to that? Because I, I know that you were you and I were talking about that, and you were. Can you put a link to that in the chat room too, to that particular yeah. device? And, and I'm going to say it right now. It's RTL Romeo Tango Lima dash SDR. Sierra Delta Romeo dot com. I'll throw that up in the chat room. I've got two of them sitting here on the desk with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, great. Dongles to play with it, Buckholz. <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent. Well, you and, I, you um, and I were talking about that on the last show, about the fact that uh, right now you've got the, the Internet and everywhere else is just filled. And I get, yeah. I get stuff sent to me all the time, these photographs. They say, look what I saw. Look, it's coming. And I look yeah, and I well, see a picture, but there's, I, got, I don't know where it's from, when, when it yeah. was taken, nothing. Well, I got one story, and now that the statute of limitations is up, I can, I can talk about this. Okay. A friend of mine, a friend of mine in the early 90s, all right, was known on the Internet by the handle of Bridget. And there was a web page on the Internet in the early 90s called Bridget's Back Black Helicopters. Yeah, yeah. The story was that Bridget, 
um, who was a friend of mine and who is no longer involved in the, you know, in the, in the you know, militia or, or patriot scene, at least to the best of my knowledge, uh, went out to Fort Indian Town Gap, Pennsylvania, and took some nice pictures of the very, very dark green helicopters uh, that are sitting out there because Indian Town Gap at the time was an Air National Guard base for the Pennsylvania National Guard. And uh, it was an Army National Guard base, and the aviation unit was there. Um, of course, the pictures were taken so that the light caught the helicopters just right, so the dark green looked a little more than black, you know, looked more like black. And right. The, and then there was, at the time, a commercial aircraft landing there, because uh, I believe it became a civilian airport. And uh, she took a picture of the guy in the business suit getting off the, you know, off the commercial jet, you know, off the charter jet, and posted them up with a sinister context about black helicopters at Fort Indian Town Gap, Pennsylvania. I can tell you right now, firsthand, that those pictures were an experiment to see what was going on. And everyone, or quite a few people, most everyone, picked those up with no objective, uh, you know, cross-referencing or fact-checking whatsoever and blasted them out over the Internet Um as being authentic. And yes, they were authentic pictures. However, they were authentic pictures of Army National Guard Blackhawks. Uh, yep. no, no special ops, you know, black helicopters and all that. Um, and yeah, they do have black helicopters in the special ops community, but they're not as common as everyone thinks they are. Um, so, later on, when it was announced uh, that these were actually, you know, a hoax, um, everyone automatically assumed that by someone and, uh, you know, was told to take them down or told to say they were a hoax. And I can say firsthand that that did not happen. Um, again, you know, check your facts. And the, uh, you know, check your facts and, you know, you know, question these things. Don't take everything at face value. Matter of fact, don't even take anything I say at face value. You know, do do your research. Everything I provide information-wise with my grid down communications can be back-checked and referenced. And while I may, you know, put opinions on what I think is personally, you know, something, you know, based on my experience, that doesn't necessarily mean it's best for you. Again, you need to do your research because there is no script here. Um, you got to figure out some parts of it, you know, on your own. All we, all we can do, you know, all instructors like myself can do is just provide you with enough background so you can make an intelligent decision. But with that said, um, you know, communications monitoring, you know, get yourself a police scanner, get yourself an RTL-SDR and play with it uh, so you don't initially have to spend $500 on a digital trunk tracker because the RTL-SDR is a very, very powerful tool. Um, and it's kind of nice to play with. At that point, get with your group and see what you want to do for communications. If all of you have your ham license and you want to pick up a bunch of, you know, two-meter HTs for your squad radios, great. If you want to spend a little money and get those um, Motorola DTRs, uh, the 900 megahertz license-free uh, frequency-hopping handhelds that uh, Sergeant Dan Morgan likes, um, get those. Um, you know, have everyone on the same sheet of music when it comes to group communications. Uh, what you use isn't important is as being able to use it effectively and having everyone on the same sheet of music. Um, if you don't have a group, at least get yourself a CB and a two-meter for now uh, so you can listen into your local, you know, ham traffic 
and listening to local, you know, CB traffic. Although sometimes CB traffic becomes a little further than local uh, when the band is opening up. But at least if you have those, you have local capability at this point. And then, you know, point you've you've already bought a shortwave receiver, so you can listen into shortwave broadcasts, which include hams, clandestines, and you know, in, other international broadcasters. Um, if you have that monitoring capability, at that point, if you decide you want to get into ham HF, uh, which I recommend because it goes further and works better in some instances than the two meter stuff, you know, then go at it from there. Um, I have a list in the, you know, in the grid down communications book, which I've actually, you know, printed up on the blog, which has a bunch of steps. And those are basically, you know, the way I've detailed out the steps. Um, you know, start with yourself and your monitoring, get your group together, and then start, you know, looking at, you know, communicating with the rest of the outside world. But, again, what you're using isn't as important as being able to use it uh, to an expert level and having all the members of your tribe on the same sheet of music when it comes to communications. Um, another thing that, yeah. Um, also, another thing you want to look into, and this was very, very popular in the early 20th century out west, um, fence line telephones. If everyone is in the same neighborhood, um, you can run your own private phone system, you know, from, from ranch to ranch. As a matter of fact, in the, you know, in the 1920s and 30s, before commercial phone service came in, they basically used the top wire of their barbed wire fence, and they clipped their old hand-cranked telephone up uh, to the top wire and put the other end on, uh, to a good ground, uh, like a tent stake, and you know, they were able to talk 20 to 30 miles down the fence post line uh, to the various right. ranches. The uh, field phones are very, very useful, and you can get them for like 40 bucks a pop in an Army surplus store. Um, I've mentioned and that on the blog. To, yeah, I mean, hard to everyone now, like they used to be. Oh yeah, well, Sportsman's uh, Guide occasionally has them, and I can say here, up in occupied country, um, Army Barracks has these European ones that use a single AA battery and work very, very well. Um, you know, somebody, I think somebody I could, could 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 make a, a a buck if they would put together, uh, you know, a a, a decent. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a decent uh, field phone set that you could use like that. Yeah. They um, they are getting, like I said, some places are a little harder to find than others. I have mentioned various improvisations that you can do um, with regular, you know, old rotary dial field phone, you know, old ro rotary dial phones to make them local right, battery. Right. Um, there was a gentleman who probably about a year or two ago did do a blog, and I don't have the information handy with me, but if you reference my blog, uh, at sparks31wordpress.com, uh, it was put up there. But a gentleman actually did start talking about uh, modifying regular, you know, regular telephones, you know, POX telephones uh, to go, um, you know, with local battery so you can use them as field phones. Um, when I finally get around um, to, uh, you know, to getting, you know, volume two of Breed Down Communications written, we're going to be covering a lot of telecommunications stuff. Um, well, you know, you how know, to set up your own that, private. Uh, yeah. I remember that when we were, and this was many, many years ago, because now they've got, uh, the Army has all different kinds of stuff now. But uh, but I remember uh, 30 years ago when we were moving to contact and we wanted, and we didn't want to have any kind of radio traffic or anything else, that's what we used. 
And what we did is we just had uh, you'd have like three guys who were the wire bearers, and as you walked, they would just have uh, they'd be streaming that old uh, uh, landline, uh, you know, field phone yep. wire behind them. Yep. The WD1 comma uh, wire. Yeah, we'd be, we'd just be streaming that for miles until we made contact. Once we, once there's contact, then you can then you know you can go ahead and open up the lines. But until then, you wanted to make everything quiet. So you'd be running the the field phones, and I had a bunch of them. Uh, and I'm not going to even discuss why I had them, but I had a bunch, but I don't have them anymore, and I I wish that I did. Yeah, field phones are one of those things that you know people should have. You know, useful tools. Again, you know, in the next book we're going to try and improvise some of that stuff. Um, you know, show people things they can do because they are getting a little hard to come by. I might also add uh, that the modern digital voice terminals. Um, those use four wires instead of two wires. And they're not compatible with the old field phones. And a lot of them, the best I could tell, only you know can only be connected uh, through a, a switchboard. And I haven't seen any of the switchboard systems hitting the surplus market yet, although there seems to be a whole bunch of those digital terminals along. So you want to avoid the newer digital, you know, digital voice terminals and stick to the ones... Uh, stick to the old European, you know, hand crank phones um, that you can get at Sportsman's Guide. Um, stick to the TA-312, which is the Army field phone that runs um, on two AA batteries. And also the TA, if you can find them, the TA-1s, which were the sound-powered crank. Yeah, the sound-powered phones that didn't require a battery. I personally like the the TA three twelves uh, because they have a nice they have a lot more powerful audio to them and uh, they go further. Uh, the T the TA ones are only good for you know for a couple of miles because they're sound powered, but the TA three twelves and the European phones that use the double that use the D cells, uh, yeah, th- th- those will go ten twenty miles easily. Um, you know, on a good on a good pair. Right. So very, very, very handy to have, especially if everyone is, you know, together in, you know, like I said, in a neighborhood. Uh, you know, you can run those, and this way no one can listen into you on them. Um, you know, well, right. not as easily as they can if you're using FRS radios or CB. Um, right. And listen, is and that, subject to tapping, but yeah, the, and that, that uh, if you control the territory, you're good to go. That the... Uh, the FRS radios, and uh, we've got quite a bit of experience with those, using those over our, you know, during our the different events that we run and stuff like that. <clears throat> uh, I don't care how many miles it says. I don't care if it says 50 miles. Uh, you may have trouble on uh, on a half mile or a mile. You know, it, it all depends. Whereas the we landlines, you're going to get yeah. you're going to get signal and you're going to get the communication. Oh yeah, the FRS radios, the little bubble pack radios, the 22 channel ones are good out to about a mile tops. Traditional squad radios, such as your two-meter handhelds and all that, and your MURS radios, those are good out to about a mile or two, uh, usually about two miles. We were we did a signal Sunday uh, earlier this year up here in, in, in occupied territory, and we had a bunch of local, uh, you know, local preppers and three percenters come down with their squad radios, and we ran a little exercise. And, yeah, uh, with the rubber ducks on them, you know, the st- stock antennas, when we started getting out to that, past that mile point, uh, in, you know, in fairly mountainous, you know, 
hey, we're not talking Rocky Mountain terrain, just typical northeastern rolling hill type stuff. Yeah, they were having problems with them out, out at that mile range. Because, right. um, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. The uh, Now, mind you, we, had, we were walking alongside a railroad right away, so if there was actually some railroad, old, uh, old railroad telegraph lines there, uh, we probably could have, uh, you know, um, clipped into those and been able to talk all the way down, you know, all the way down the line. But, uh, you know, they've, they've torn up a lot of those old railroad telegraph lines, so, um, you know, they're no longer there. But that's, uh, you know, you can still run wire, though. Um, you, can, you, can, you, know, you can always run wire. And you don't have to run two wires either. As long as you have a single wire, you can use a, the ground, literally, as the uh, as the other wire, and, and it'll work. Um, you know, we tried it, and it, you know, it, it actually does work. Works pretty well too. The uh, <clears throat> the, the FRS are are certainly one thing. What about uh, what about CBs? Because everybody has those. They used to. They don't have them anymore, but they used to, and you can still get them for for next to nothing. Uh, the CB radios. Given my choice between FRS or CB, I would choose CB every time. Reason being, number one is CB runs three watts as opposed to a half a watt. Number two is CB you can actually use real antennas that are you know tuned and you know to the proper size for their wavelength, uh, which will greatly boost your signal, just in general principle because you know you need to have a resonant antenna. Uh, as opposed to that little fixed thing that's on the FRS radios that you don't know what it is. Um, they try and make them semi-resonant, but, you know, they're a little stub and they're at 400 megahertz, which means unless that antenna is about six inches long, um, they're not going to work that well. And most of those little stubs on the FRS radios are like two or three inches. They, they should right. be about right. six inches for that frequency band. CB runs three watts on AM carrier or 12 watts peak power on sideband and also has 40 channels as opposed to 14 that FRS have because the other seven you should be licensed for GMRS if you're going to use them. Um, as a jungle telegraph, CB is really, really good and not very many people are using it these days. So there's plenty of space down there. And if you have a really, really good setup, you will get 20 miles with a CB. What about uh, boosting the signal on your CB? Because and I don't mean boosting it illegal or anything. I just mean uh, ways that you can uh, that you are there ways that you can get a better signal. Yeah, better antenna. Okay. And what about the, the, um, the besides that purchased one? Is there? I mean, is there a way that you can uh, you know tie some line on the end of the antenna and run it? Oh up yeah, 20 I feet? mean. Remember, all right, CB runs at 27 megahertz, all right? That's just below the 10-meter handband. So if you take out your ARRL handbook and look at all those HF antennas, all right, that can be used on 10 meters or, or even the lower frequencies, all you have to do is scale any of those ham antennas, you know, figure out the lengths for 27 megahertz, and all that entire world of amateur radio antennas is now yours to use on CB. The uh, I knew a guy who had a um, who was a you know one of the one of the one, he, I knew a guy who was a skip shooter, and all he did 
was go down to the local ham store and pick up the makings for a simple dye pole. And it's um, just for the sake of you know, discussion, the, the formula for a dipole is 468 divided by the frequency in um, in megahertz. And I want to say it's like 16 or 18 feet uh, is, is the length of a dipole for uh, for the CB band. Uh, I'm not going to do the calculations here, you know, uh, and I'm not right. that good to do it in my head. But let's just say let's just say 18 feet. 18 feet is not a lot of space. He actually put the antenna up in his attic. And with that simple antenna that cost him maybe five, ten bucks in parts, all right, he was going up and down the East Coast with 12 watts on sideband. So, yeah, I mean, and it didn't cost him a lot. I think he paid $100 for the Cobra 148 he was using, used at like a flea market somewhere, built his own dipole, and was talking up and down the East Coast with it. Uh, again, he was a skip shooter, and uh, you know that was his thing. And he didn't have his ham license and didn't want to get it. But again, you know, he was doing pretty well on on, on 11 meters there. You're not going to do that with that bubble pack radio. Right. Yeah, you're right. not even no, going to do that with a two meter. You're not even going to be able to do that with a two meter radio. So for license free, yeah, you know, don't don't discount CB that much. Uh, and like I said, you can get the stuff anywhere. Um, Walmart sells a CB, uh, like a Maxon or, or a, a unit in um, for, you know, for all of like $35. You can get a really nice CB new for 150 bucks at, uh, you know, at most at most decent truck stops. Um, and if you look around used, you can find them too. Flea markets, tag sales, ham fests. Um, they're out there. Right. And, right. and uh, you know, uh, it, it works. And if you want to know what's going on, and I mentioned this before, and I'll have to say it again, if you want to know what's really going on in this country, if you're on the interstate at night, just turn to Channel 19 and uh, you know, give it. it a listen. That's what I was going to say. Because, you know, the truckers you know the truckers know what's going on because they're driving around, and they're driving around all over the place, and they can see things, on you know, stuff that's going on on the road. And they talk to one another about it. Uh, and sometimes you get even better information if you go off Channel 19 because they've been known to – go up a few channels for, you know, a, quote, private, end quote, uh, you know, conversation. Uh, you know, so they're not, basically, so they're not jamming up channel 19, which is, you know, for road conditions traditionally. So, you know, if you, you, tar- you start scanning around and, you know, tuning the CB channels, you might hear some stuff, you know, as to what's going on. Um, I think as time goes on, you're going to see a lot more of that happening as, you know, more people, and maybe not even three percenters or preppers or survivalist types, you know, militia types, just as average people begin to realize, you know, hey, things are smelling here, uh, you know, down in Mordor on the Potomac. Um, you know, they're going to start looking at the alternative sources and they're going to start talking, you know, amongst each other. And, you know, you're going to want to keep that in, you know, you're going to want to keep that in mind and, you know, and tune in because that's how yeah, you'll I've, start I've, getting information. I have listened to some really, I mean, when people, when you, when folks uh, talk about CB radio and truckers and stuff like that, or they think about it, I think a lot of times they're they're thinking about the, you know, the movies with the apes and stuff like that. But I tell you, I've heard some really amazing. Hey, hey, hey! There will be no dissing of, there will be no dissing of Clint Eastwood and Clyde on this radio show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 hey. 
there's a line. There, there, there's a line you you, you, you you do not cross, and that line involves dissing Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, and Burt Reynolds. Hey, listen, I watched it over and over, man, uh, and and. And I would watch it again if it was on right now. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that's what people think of you know, when they think of that. You know, hey, we got us a convoy. But there's yeah. actually uh, there are actually some pretty amazing conversations. It's not just all about road conditions. Uh, and, and there may be some discussion of road conditions, and then there may be uh, discussions, like you said, that are moved a couple of channels over. They talk about why the road conditions came, who's responsible, uh, on and on about this, and it, you get some really great, you get some really oh, great yeah. information that way. It's definitely interesting. <laughs> and these are guys that have been, like you said, these 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 truckers. They they may be uh, where you are, where you're driving. Say you're driving in southern Louisiana, and you're hearing this conversation. Well, they may have been uh, 18 hours or 20 hours before this. They may have been in California, and they can and they're going to tell you what they just experienced in California. So. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of information out there that's that's floating around the airwaves. Oh yeah, quite a bit. And uh, uh, you know, and when the band conditions are right and the skip starts rolling in, uh, you'll hear conversations from you know quite a distance away. Well, let's talk about let's talk about that for for a minute because that's one of the things that I when I was talking to you earlier that that I wanted to make sure that folks. Uh, understand and that is using your uh, communications systems whatever you, whatever you may have but using your communication systems uh, for your intelligence gathering program because whenever you're in a when you're in some situation especially like a grid down situation, no matter why it's caused, if it's a tornado, if it's a man-made, a natural disaster, whatever, the only way you're going to get information is from your wireless communications, uh, unless Correct. it's something that's in your field of view. Other than yes. what's in your field of view, thing you're going to get is, is going to be coming over the airways. So this is an extremely important asset, because other than this, you, don't, you can only see uh, a certain distance and beyond that, you are clueless as to what's going on, unless you send out some uh, some assets that are going to report back to you what's going on. You're not going to know what's going on, even if it's right around the corner. So you have to have some way to gain information. And uh, and we talked about this a little bit on the last show, too, and, and the, the fact that if there's something going on, even if it's a big thing, let's take let's take uh, the most the sexiest example. And that's if there's some type of uh, grid-down situation caused by uh, by whatever the, the sexiest thing is, by uh, an economic breakdown or you know, or government takeover, something like that. You're not going to hear. Uh, there are a lot of commu- communications that you're not going to hear because they're encrypted or they're they're going over the air in a in a fashion that you're not going to be able to get them. But there are other ways. That you're going to hear about this, so so tell the folks tell the folks how they're going to hear about it. Well, basically, the two big things that you're going to wind up, you know, listening to is you're going to wind up listening to the communications that are coming from you know people that are out there, like on your CB vans. They'll be mentioning stuff and they'll be talking about it. 
Um, the other thing you're going to wind up hearing are certain unencrypted um, response and mitigation communications, you know, from local, state, regional, possibly even federal, you know, public safety agencies uh, and response agencies. They're going to be, you know, I mean, they're going to have to use radio, and some of it might be encrypted, some of it might not. Uh, but the one stuff that's not encrypted, you'll be able to listen to, and you'll get an idea, you know, of what's going on. If, you know, and that's, uh, you know, if there is a, um, you know, if let's just take, you know, for example, you know, a, a total economic collapse. Now, again, economic collapses actually aren't spontaneous. They happen over a period of time. But let's just say that there is a trigger event of some sort that finally pushes it over the edge. Right. Um, at that stage of the game, you'll probably get a report locally, you know, of the trigger event. And then as the event progresses, you'll be getting, you know, more and more information, um, you know, that, that'll be, you know, that'll be going on, you know, as, as, as the event progresses and, you know, people communicate, you know, their observations or they're receiving instructions in regards to, you know, response and mitigation. Of course, if it's a complete and total, you know, Tetawaki type situation, um, a lot of that stuff, uh, a lot of that, those communications uh, just might go dark. And right. if you don't hear anything, then, you know, then, yeah, then that's a concern too if everything goes dark because there's a, there's a lot of routine communications that just go on. And if that stuff stops, then, uh, you know, then you say, yeah, because, you know, the police are still going to respond to calls. The fire department and the EMS are still going to respond to calls generally over, you know, no matter what happens. Uh, however, if they stop responding to calls, then, yeah, you know, they're not going to be talking on the air, and that's going to be a cause for concern. Uh, likewise, if all of a sudden on uh, some of your local non-governmental communications channels, uh, or as we like to call them, you know, the Bubba detector frequencies, um, if you start hearing, like, pseudo-tactical communications on those, like people scoping something out or people engaged in, you know, tactical-type maneuvering, you know, like they might be right. marauders of some sort, yeah, that's going to be a heads-up, and, you know, you're going to want to, you know, take the appropriate action. You know, find out where they are and, you know, what their intent might wind up being and, you know, listen into them to see, you know, what type of information that's, uh, you know, that's going on. Uh, especially if, uh, you know, like let's say after a complete and total collapse, if you're out and about your homestead doing something and your activities result in very, very close nearby radio traffic, uh, you know, being generated, then, yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good guess that might someone might be keeping an eye on you. Um, at which point, again, you know, you might want to take, you know, an appropriate response in that in that instance. Um, you know, these are things, you know, all things to, you know, to keep in mind. We've never really had, you know, we've never had a complete and total collapse in this country. We've had riots, civil disturbances, economic downturns. Um, so we know what happens in those uh, so therefore, for the minor stuff, we know that there's a, uh, you know, that there will be communications and what, you know, the nature of the communications will, you know, will be. Um, a, a complete and total collapse, if it actually ever does occur, um, perhaps on one level, the, the effects, the immediate effects are going to be so obvious you won't need radio communications, or, you know, initially. 
because uh, you're just going right. to be able to see it happening, you know, right then and there. Um, you know, if the power goes out, the natural gas stops stops running, and um, you know, fires uh, in in the city are, are are running unchecked, and you don't hear sirens responding to them, then uh, yeah, you know, that's a pretty good hint. Um, then again, if you're out in the American Readout or, or out in a, in a predominantly rural area. Uh, you know, you could probably go on there, you know, for quite a while before you finally notice something's wrong. Um, but at that point, you would probably be listening towards, you know, international, you know, and, and possibly domestic shortwave broadcasters, both of the licensed and unlicensed, you know, clandestine, you know, pirate variety. And at that point, they might be telling you, you know, they'll give you an idea of what's going on in the city. Or the local ham radio operators in whatever city or not so local ham radio operators will tell you, you know, I'm out of power. You know, fires are burning out of control in Ferguson. Oh, okay. You know, well, there's your information. You know, the uh, it might not be affecting you. You know, in the middle of the, uh, you know, in the middle of the high desert. Um, but again, you know, you'll at least be able to hear what's going on from people, you know, further away. Good to know uh, from a strategic standpoint. Uh, so you know, you at least know what's going on in the outside world because um, you're going to want. Your most important, you know, information is going to be local information, you know, what's going on immediately, you know, nearby you. But, you know, once you have that down pat, you're definitely going to want to keep an ear on, you know, what's going on in the outside world, especially if you're in, you know, a somewhat isolated area. Uh, because now that lone car coming down the road, okay, it might be it might be someone who, um, you know, is traveling from, from one town to the other, uh, and you're like 90 miles off the beaten path. But, you know, if you know that there's something going on in the city um, that's 90 miles away from you, you might catch some refugees um, that you might have to contend with. And or you might have, you know, you might wind up catching some raiders that you're going to have to contend with in another manner. Right. Well, you um, also said that there was uh, that the the frequencies that are used <clears throat> Uh, if you're using a scanner or something to detect the frequencies, that yeah. the frequencies that are used are, uh, the majority of them, are published and can be tracked to a specific organization. Correct. Yeah, most of the frequency data is is, is public. I mean, if you're on, you know, I mean, and you'll know, well, if you're obviously listening to your locals, you know what the locals are, are, are going to be listening to, and you know what the stadiums are going to be on, Uh You'll know what the locals are on, what your county is going to be on. You'll know your, you'll know the frequency of your fire department, police department, public works department, EMS core. You know if they're separate from the fire department. Uh, you know what CB frequencies are: FRS, GMRS, MURS. You know what all the local ham repeater frequencies are. Uh, you know, and you know all those frequencies are, are, you know, are public knowledge. And again, you know, by listening to the frequency and knowing what the frequency is used for, you'll, you'll have an idea of what traffic is supposed to be on it. Um, likewise, you know, the shortwave frequencies are, are pretty much the same way. And that information is already out there. And now since nothing's really going on, you know, that we have to be nothing of a tactical nature is going on unless you happen to be listening, you know, living in Ferguson or you're in an area that might catch a, pro- a Ferguson-esque protest as a result of the, you know, the jury uh, grand jury decision coming down. Um, you have the time now to start listening in and knowing what frequencies are being used for what. Uh, this way, you'll have an idea of knowing what frequencies you want to keep an ear on if uh, things start getting interesting. 
Right, and that's a perfect time to do that when there, when there's not uh, uh, something major going on is, is for you to start learning who's using the frequencies, what they're saying, what a normal day sounds like, and and uh, and getting used to uh, to the amount of traffic that, that comes out, uh, who's sending it, who's receiving it, and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, we also talked last time about the the fact that even though uh, even though a lot of the folks like uh, like say we were in a uh, in a you know end of the world uh, situation. A lot of the folks' communication is going to be uh, encrypted or blacked out, et cetera. But that these folks, uh, very seldom if ever, work alone. I mean, they, I'm sure that, that they could in certain instances, but very seldom do they work alone. They they inform uh, the sheriff's department or EMS or whoever that they're going to be working in an area, and then those Correct. people talk on unencrypted channels. So you may yes. not see. The black hole, but but you'll see everything around the perimeter of the black hole, and you'll know that the black hole is there. You'll know the black hole is there because even if you you know even if you can't hear the intelligence that's being conveyed over the radio channel, you'll at least know that there's activity on an encrypted radio channel. So you know you might not get the the information that's being sent out, but you'll definitely know that something's going on and it's there. Um. Right, but again, a lot of that is just a part of listening. And once you are listening in an area for for a period of time, uh, you'll know when something different is happening because the entire tempo of the communications will just change. Right, and that's what you were telling me the uh, the uh, few days ago, this last weekend when we were talking. Yeah, you're saying that uh, that the with some of the events that are coming up, stuff like Ferguson and stuff like that, is a perfect opportunity for you to. Uh, for you to get your communication gear out, have it up and ready, and to be listening so that you can monitor what's going on and you can see what's happening when uh, when something special is spun up. Because yes. if you're near one of these locations where, they're going to, where there's going to be protests or a lot of activity and stuff like that, it's a perfect time to, to get your gear up and listen just to see who all is talking and to, to try to get, like you said, a feel for the tempo. Of, exactly. Uh, of how it works when something is up in the air, and it's going to be. I don't know if anything's going to happen or not. Who knows? But but the preparation for it is going to be the same regardless. Yeah, well, you know, no one knows what's going to happen. I mean, you know, no one can predict the future. Uh, so, but again, a lot of this is, you know, we know things happen. I mean, natural disasters happen, riots happen, um, the gradual, you know, the gradual decline of our economy and our American way of life is happening. You know, I mean, the collapse is happening right now as we speak, you know, in little bits and pieces here and now, you know, every day. Um, so we know things are going on. It's just, you know, being able to know specific bits and pieces and, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, to mitigate them on a personal level, you know, in, a, in an appropriate manner. Uh what uh say that uh we and we we kind of touched on this last time we spoke too uh say that uh say that there are folks that would like to uh they would like to get involved in a legitimate 
program for gathering intelligence and uh, and distributing it, distributing it uh, in a uh, you know in a legitimate fashion. Uh, is there somewhere they should go, or somewhere they yes. should uh, somebody they should speak Definitely. to in order to apply? They this? need they need to get in t- in contact with John Jacob Schmidt of the American Readout Radio Network, Amron, and they have a they have a website, uh, Amron dot uh, com. I think it's A M M R O N, uh, but people can look up American Readout Radio Network and John Jacob Schmidt. And they need to get in touch with with the American Readout Radio Network. Join that group, or you know, join join their list and uh, and get up on it. Um, I endorse them wholeheartedly. Uh, they're the people who have their you know who have it all together and who are working on it. Yeah, because and, yeah. because the American people. I mean, we have uh, <laughs> it's a tremendous asset. You know, back in seventeen seventy four seventy five. Uh, there was there was nothing that was going on in Boston that was that the Patriots didn't know about. Well, I say there was nothing. There were a few things because the uh, the British officers uh, finally decided. They said, you know, the only way we're ever going to have a private conversation, they had to walk out to the end of the uh, uh, of the pier on Boston Pier. They'd walk out to the end of the pier for them to have a discussion that was not going to be heard and reported, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's how the colonists were able to to gather as much information, or really good information, as they could. You know, there were dozens of intelligence gathering uh, operations going on by then, and that's oh, what yeah. allowed the colonists to be out ahead. And we have that same opportunity now, uh, but there's got to be. But it's got to be done in a legitimate fashion, like you were talking about with the salute and stuff. There can't just be anonymous photos of uh, of Humvees going to the repair shops and back that people send in and scream about. There's got to be legitimate information that can be gathered, that can be sent to a processing hub, and then uh, be you know be be figured out and dispersed as, as needed. And that's I, I think that a lot of people would be willing to lend their uh, you know their attention to that, so I think that, well, one would certainly hope so. <laughs> I think that that would be a, a great way for them to get started, and then definitely there is also uh, there is also there uh, already in place uh, tons of of systems like that for ham radio operators, right? I mean, there 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 are groups all over the all over the world. That are dedicated to that, to uh, to transferring information and stuff, right? Correct. They, um, yep, they're still out there, and as a matter of fact, there are traffic networks and also uh, mobile networks that that are designed to assist uh, travelers who are, you know, running running mobile, uh, you know, ro- mobile radio setups as they go from you know point A to point B, where they can get on a network and get this. Um, there are networks for assistance for maritime operators. 14.3 megahertz has been the maritime frequency for amateur radio on 20 meters for I don't know how long, but again, if you're on a ship, you know, and you're in, you know, and I think as a matter of fact, the control operator is right out of Galveston, Texas, or someplace there on the Gulf Coast of Texas, and, uh, you know, he can talk all across the country with his setup, 
And, you know, so there are networks that, that, that are in place, you know, for, you know, for mutual aid and assistance. Um, and there, of now, course, you know, and then we have... Us, I was just going to say, yeah. what was it you were telling us last time? I, I, I'm not looking at my notes, but what was it you were telling us last time about, specifically about the Maritime Network channels? Um, the Maritime Network channel is a really, really great frequency to know if your radio is working. Because if you tune up on that frequency and you check into the net, you at least know that, you know, you can talk down to Texas and back and that your gear is working. That's why, you know, amateur radio nets are, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of the Amron network, um, you know, and I, and I endorse it. But just about any type of ham radio net, whether it's the eastern, you know, traffic net, you know, the um, E-cars, the eastern area regional uh, net, uh, mid-cars, the midwestern net, the maritime net. All those nets are very, very useful on HF for just knowing if your radio is working and it's able to reach out to a certain location. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything prepper related. It's just that, yep, I can talk to here. They can hear me. I can hear them. Fine. Great. Um, right. That's that's the very useful purpose that, that you know that they serve for just doing a good functional check um, without there having to be any survivalist or three percenter or prepper. Uh, you know, pretense or, or, or context to it. Okay. Uh, the uh, uh, in just uh, a little over a week, we're going to have the uh, the course. You're going to come down from <laughs> from occupied territory. You're going to come back yep. uh, into uh, into free America. Although there really is no free America at this point. I don't care where you are. Uh, there is it uh, now, we'll but there soon will be. I think. America. Yeah. yeah, we'll call it more more free America than where you are right now. You're going to come down. You're going to teach a course, a two day course, one day of classroom and a one day FTX still training exercise. Uh, can you? Uh, and I've I've been asked by several of the folks that are attending uh, if you could uh, kind of give a uh, uh, an on air uh, a little bit of chat about uh, any equipment they need and what we're going to what the course is going to entail and stuff like that. Uh, yes. Well, the course covers basically two things. One is communications monitoring and communications intelligence with an emphasis on VHF and, and UHF because that's where all your local traffic is. And that's going to be a, you know, a more immediate importance. Uh, and it's also a good entry level part, you know, place to start. Um, after that, we start talking a lot about talking out to other people. Um, with an emphasis on Envis near vertical incident skywave HF communications, uh, because outside of you know that's um, Envis on HF actually works for extended local and regional communications the best because your signal is bouncing straight up and straight down, and it will give you a consistent, reliable communications radius of about three to five hundred miles. Um, not so far that you're skipping out into the you know you know across country, but further you know further than what your squad radios are going to do. And day one is basically kind of a classroom kind of you know inside thing, and then we go out to the field on uh, on Sunday, on day two. Uh, be prepared to take lots of notes and ask questions, and if you have any radio gear that you want to bring. Um, particularly HF radios, your shortwave ham gear, squad radios, police scanners, or whatnot, bring them. Um, bring whatever you have, you know, for gear, because uh, it's a run-what-you-brung event, 
And while we do have a few radios to, to show and try out and do demos with, a lot of that FTX involves you taking your gear and, uh, you know, and making it work. Um, well, that's what I've been telling people. They've, they've been asking me, so what gear? I said, well, you're going to bring what you've got. You're going to bring what you're using. Yep. So unless you're going to buy something new, you got to bring what you get because that's what we're going to. That's the main thing that he's going to be teaching is you is yeah. how to use the gear that you have. Yeah. The one piece of advice that I can give is if you want to buy something, read the blog, and you know go through the blog and you know inquire. There really is no wrong answer for gear. Uh, it's what you need. You know what your requirements are. And then that Sunday, you know, if you bring it, that Sunday, you're going to try and use it. Um, and if you don't have a lot of gear, there'll be other people there, I'm sure, who will bring their gear that they will demo out, show you, so you can see what works for other people. And, again, this is local, so I expect, um, you know, now we do get people who cross, you know, multiple state lines to come to this communications course, but I'm going to expect that most of the people there are going to be local, you know, local to Buckholz. They're going to be down in Austin. They're going to be in Waco. They might be across the border a little ways in, uh, you know, in Louisiana. But these people are going to be your neighbors, um, you know, relatively speaking. Um, they're going to be within Envis and possibly even within local communications distance of you. So you're going to definitely want to, you know, get in touch with them and stay in touch and, uh, you know, establish those contacts. Uh, you know, get a little, you know, IRL meet space uh, activity uh, up and running. Um compare notes with them and see, you know, well, what's this person, you know, need, you know, what's his requirements and why did he go and get, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, but then maybe this person's requirements are a little different, a little closer to yours. So he went with A, B, and C. Um, you know, it's, it's a learning experience and a lot of that learning experience is going to be practical and hands-on. Um, you know, so bring what you got. It's, you know, this is a, this is as, as the military would say, it's going to be a come as you are war. So, uh, you know, bring what you got and be prepared to take notes and ask questions. Um, okay. And there will, you know, are, and there will be gear there to demo. Well, we are, uh, kind of, uh, far out in the, in the boonies. So, uh, I'd say we're uh, like, uh, 25, 26 miles from, uh, mm-hmm. really from the nearest, uh, big town. There's a little, uh, there's a small town. Uh, within about uh, 14 miles or so, but the nearest uh, big town where you get any traffic and stuff is, uh, is about uh, 27, 28 miles away. So other than uh, other than that, I mean, uh, it'll be. I mean, like if you're talking, uh, if folks are working short distances and stuff, that's we'll be working with each other. But uh, and then that will be on the Sunday portion of the course. Correct. So it'll okay. be fun. I mean, everyone should come down. The uh, jump, jump up on you know Battle Roads you know, website. There's still some slots left, and uh, you know sign up. We also, uh, for those of you who are a little bit further than Texas, uh, we will be having a class up in uh, Southern Pennsylvania near the Maryland border in March. We'll be doing a class down in Birmingham, Alabama. In the fall, I believe in September, uh, it's all on my website, sparks31.wordpress. And follow that because this summer, uh, probably late summer, uh, we're going to be doing another class in Wyoming, uh, probably in the Sweetwater County area. And for those of you in the Northeast, um, either come to the Pennsylvania class in March 
or if you're interested, especially in communications monitoring and interested in what these software-defined radios can do for you, uh, December 13th in Waterbury, Connecticut, uh, right in occupied territory, uh, we're going to be doing a communications monitoring single-day class uh, concentrating on that RTL-SDR. And again, all that information is available, you know, up on the blog at sparks31.wordpress.com. Uh, okay. And when is the uh, the Watertown uh, event? Do you have a date for that yet? Yep, December thirteenth. It's a, a single day course. It's a Saturday. Okay. No, the, was there a uh, a New York course in the summer? Um. Nope, there won't be any um after after the December course there will no longer be any courses in uh, in the northeast um except for uh, Pennsylvania and we might continue to do classes in Pennsylvania or West Virginia next year but I should say nothing in New England. Um okay. we'll still come to your, Pennsylvania. Your operations are moving out west. Yeah, our operation is moving out west. Um and in the summer we will be doing a class out in Wyoming. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I know I know that you're going through some stuff right now, and and uh, my you've got my prayers and my best wishes, and uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I hope everything goes out to goes well with it, and uh, uh, and is, unless there's something that you want to add, then uh, we'll get out of your hair, and uh, you can go back to that. Okay, well, I wanted to, you know, thank you for, you know, letting me back on again. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing everyone uh, that first weekend in December down in Buckholz. Um, it's going to be a really good course. It's going to be a lot of information there. And, uh, you know, we always add a little something extra. So uh, you don't know what little extra thing, uh, you know, unannounced extra thing might wind up uh, being in there. But but I've heard some rumors Um you know, there have been some rumors, but I'm not too sure. Um, so well, I heard uh, the same rumors. I was talking to him on the telephone, and I heard those same rumors. Yeah. So uh, you know, you never know. I mean, there's always something different and interesting at at, at each course. I try to do that. So uh, this is going to be a really fun and interesting course. Um, you know, if you're contemplating, uh, you know, going, you know, do it. Uh, it, it it'll be worth your while. And again, you know. Study up on your information. Again, you know, my blog is, uh, you know, sparks31.wordpress.com. And if you, you know, you want to email me, I am sparks31 at hushmail.com. Yeah, the blog that you have, the WordPress blog, is a great blog. And there's always, uh, there's a continuing uh, role of information across it. I was telling you uh, earlier when I I, I was looking at it, uh, I, I love the, the picture that you have posted on there right now. It's the photograph of the Korean uh, business owners during the, uh, the during the L.A. riots, and they are they're up on top of their buildings, and the buildings have these these fronts that look like almost like the Alamo. They've all got their Korean uh, uh, headbands on. Uh, they've got Mini 14 shotguns. I mean, it looks just like the Alamo. And uh, they're defending their businesses. And this is the uh, this is the article you wrote about Ferguson. Ferguson residents discover truth. I I, I really uh, uh, would advise you guys to head on over to griddown.wordpress.com 
I take oh, a yes, look the, at the, the, the survivalist blog. Yep. Right. Uh, take a look at the uh, the stuff that's on there, and uh, and then also to follow uh, Sparks Thirty One, uh, and there's a Facebook page to Sparks uh, Thirty One Adventure Club. Yep, uh, the Sparks 31 be, Adventure Radio Club on Facebook, um, Sparks right. 31 on WordPress, and our fairly recently reactivated general purpose survivalist blog at, uh, at Grid Down. Uh, one, you know, two words, G R I D D O W N dot WordPress dot com has all the. It's going to have all the all the generic survivalist stuff on there. Right, and uh, this is a lot of great information, guys. It's out there for free. Thank you. You've got to pay a penny for this. Somebody's already spent a good chunk of their lives uh, grinding their nose on the wheel so that you can receive the benefits from this. Uh, and once again, uh, you can, uh, if you go to www.babbleroadusa.com and uh, click on the the, uh, the link at the top that says training, uh, you'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, it says 3 percenters grid down communications course. That will give you the information for the upcoming class at, at Battle Road and also the sign-up page. This is a great deal. This is the last time you're going to get this for in I don't know how long. You just heard him talk about his schedule. Uh, this, isn't gonna, this isn't going to happen again in 2014, that's for sure. And uh, uh, we'd love for you to, to keep coming back. I, I, would, I, would really, I would think it would be great if we could have you as a, a fairly regular uh, guest here because every time, uh, every time you're on the show, you put out uh, a ton of information that is uh, completely usable, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, you know, we 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 do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can do a lot, and you've been doing a lot. And we, and like I said, we we certainly appreciate that. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to cut you loose so you can get back to your eventful life, uh, and please send me. Uh, Please send me an email or a text or something and let me know how everything goes. And God bless Certainly. and keep you. And, uh, Thank and then you. we'll see you in just uh, a little over a week. Yep. See you, see you in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank All you, right. sir. Again, you know, thank you for having me. I tell you, this is, uh, this is like a fire hose of information every time Sparks comes on here. I mean, I, I, uh, we could go we could go for – for hours and hours more. We go for an hour and a half to two and a half hours when he's on, but we could easily go to three, four, and five hours because uh, the the reservoir of information that he's drawing on is is miles deep. And, uh, and anybody that's listening to this is getting the benefit of his years in this business. And, uh, and that is a, uh, a tremendous asset. Like I said, uh, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, there is, uh, for the military, for anybody, it, it, the military uses it because it's their job, but really for anybody, you have the tripod of shoot, move, communicate. That's the mantra of of anybody that wants to survive in any type of situation, whether it's a literally shooting, moving, communicating, or it's figuratively and you're doing it on uh, the business floor, uh, it doesn't matter you still have to have these three things. You have to shoot, you have to move, you have to communicate. Means you have to have some form of action. You have to be able to, to rapidly move back and forth with that to action, that information. You have to be able to communicate. The, the ability to communicate, especially in a grid-down situation, 
and and grid down doesn't like I said earlier it's not doesn't have to be the most sexy uh definition of it when that's where that's where people see the the whole world on fire and and there's aliens or comets or whatever uh it doesn't have to be that it can just be a tornado or hurricane whatever regardless having the ability to communicate independently of uh, of any of the uh of the state or commercial run systems is an incredibly important asset for you to have it it it, it, it is just like sparks was saying earlier it's as important or I, I i would think it's almost more important than firearms uh if you have uh your firearms and you have say you've got uh, your whole stack of firearms and and ammunition uh and you're good to go you think uh if the problem that's heading toward you is uh is 15 20 or 30 problems then your your firearms are going to do you no good now if you have the information uh that that something was headed toward you like uh a group of people or a fire or a tornado whatever and then you could relocate or you could batten down whatever that's going to do a lot more good than some uh, firearm but there's no way you're going to be able to to do anything unless you know something is coming and the only way you're going to know something is coming is by having your own independent form of uh, receiving transmitting communications the ability to initiate and maintain communications in a grid down situation all right that that is that is as important or more important than anything else you're going to do that is knowing what is headed your way uh why it's headed your way and being able to then decide what you're going to do about it all right Okay, like I said, we've got the class coming up December 6th and 7th here at our facilities in Central Texas. Uh, if you'd like more information, go to the website, uh, battleroadusa.com. Uh, you can go to the uh, uh, sparks31.com. Uh, if you're not in this area, get on his page, find out uh, where he is getting ready to have some courses, and plug yourself in. I mean, this is extremely important, all right? Okay, uh, that's going to do it tonight. Sam, you got anything you want to throw in the mix? No, Scout. Uh, just want to remind folks that if they can make it to that course down there, they really need to. Uh, there's a lot of really good information he's going to be able to give you. And... Uh, it's very important knowing how to communicate in these kind of situations. There's no getting around the importance of it. And developing intelligence from it is uh, a big part of that. And uh, if you get on his uh, his blog page, get looking about those SDR radios. Uh, that's a slick little deal. Uh, after he was on the show last time, I, I, I went and bought one of them. I said, well, for 20 bucks, how can I go wrong? You know, well, plug it right into my little what, laptop. And <laughs> tell us about your me? experience with it. Tell us about your experience with it so far. Well, it came in. Uh, I looked at it. I brought up this page. Uh, I, I 
went in there and downloaded the software for it, and I'm not a big computer guy, uh, but it was no trouble getting it. Found the information I wanted, downloaded it, plugged in the radio. It comes with its own little antenna. Uh, no joke, the whole thing, antenna and all, will fit in your back pocket. Plugged it in. Went to radioreference.com, one of the sites you had listed there. We had all the uh, licensed frequencies for our local public service folks, the cops and the fire department and the ambulance companies and all of them. And inside 20 minutes, I was listening. You know, and, and if I can do it, anybody can. And then I started learning how to use the software a little more. Uh, I figured out that all of those radios weren't tuned in. And I could tell, a good example, I could tell how many people from our local law enforcement agency were on the road that night. Not really? by their voices, but by the signature of the radio, because each one of them was just uh, a couple of hertz off a, off a speck, I guess you'd say. So each one of them was transmitting on a little bit different frequency. And it was showing on this damn graph. Oh, really? And, uh, so, the, so there was a graph in the software that was showing you that where you could uh, identify individual signals, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Because, like, say you're supposed to be transmitting on 144.2. Well, the base station was pretty close to that, but one of the units was on 144.214 something, and another one on 0.215. Each one of them had a little different signature out there. And I could tell that there were different radios transmitting in this system. And I could sit down and figure out who they were. Uh, and when I was in the service, we used to have these guys out there. Uh, they, they collected radio intelligence. Their business was listening into the bad guys, finding right. out what they were up to. And uh, they had some nifty little antennas that they were directional. You could steer the darn thing, and right. two guys, uh, two guys got on there, and, and uh, each one of them took a bearing on that radio. You could mark it out on a map. You'd know exactly where they were transmitting from. Which right, told back us then, where we needed to was, drop bombs and stuff. Back then, it was all, uh, it was almost all physical because I remember that too. But it was actually, we actually had, uh, uh, we had a, a radio in the talk, and then we also had. Uh, the guys outside, they were physically moving the antennas until they came in on the uh, uh, the highest uh, frequency uh, at our location. And then we would get two other locations that would give the their directions, and then uh, and then you could plot it. I'm sure they don't. I'm yeah. sure they don't even need that now. But that's how uh, that's how I remember it from a long time ago. The uh, you know, physically, you know, moving the antenna back and forth uh, until it picked up the, uh, you know, the most powerful uh, frequency to give you an azimuth to the direction where it was transmitting. Uh, they were talking on uh, on a radio page. I was looking at it, got some information on that. And this one guy, uh, he does it as a hobby, hunting down people with, that are transmitting. And he says, no, nah, don't bother with that. Go buy one of these gadgets. And I looked it up, and it was a, uh, it was a direction-finding antenna. And literally, uh, you could take this thing, 
and fire it up, and it will measure the difference. You know radio moves at the speed of light. Well, it would measure the difference in time it took for the signal to get to four separate antennas out in his back lot, and it would give him a bearing cut right there. He didn't even have to get out and turn the antennas around. And uh, I, I figured out these radio guys are as much into their stuff as us gun guys are. And it's all about information. And the more information I have, the better decisions I can make in keeping myself and my family safe. And, and uh, I figure I'm going to learn as much of this stuff as I can. I'm not going to become a radio guy, but I found out that I can do a whole lot just sitting right here in front of my computer. Uh, I can tell what's going on, and even on the encrypted stuff, there's a federal agency out here likes to encrypt their radio stuff. I can tell a lot about them without even hearing a word that they say. Hey, right. Hey, listen. Uh, I just now saw this. You, you you posted that Mike from New York wants to talk. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's up here let me, online let me bring too. Him, let me bring him on real quick. Hey, Mike. Welcome sure. to the show. Gentlemen, how are you? Um, sorry, I'm coming in to you live from a supermarket, so that's what's going on with the background music here. I don't want you to that, wonder what that, the hell I am. That's, a, that's uh, American technology today. Man. You're welcome. Come <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of – we're talking about technology and everything else, but basically I think it's important you remember one one thing that – now they that old expression, what is it about everything today, everything that's new is actually old, or everything that's old is new? There's a lot yeah, of the yeah. old stuff that's out there. You can't beat it, and it hasn't been replaced. Size-wise, it's been made. A lot of it's made, been made now more compact. But basically what what some of the high techies would scoff at, it's still possible of even preventing, like, a, a drone from doing its job. Even though the technology would be World War I or World War II technology, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I collect war souvenirs, and uh, I'm a military historian. And I ended up with a very interesting piece. Um, and most people didn't even, don't even know that it existed in World War II. It looks like a cylinder. It's battery-operated, and it's a spark generator. And what our government would do with the U.S. Army, it's Army issue, and we use them as jamming devices. So depending on what frequency, what bandwidth, what you wanted to jam, you'd cut an antenna according to that length and typically they'd have them mounted two of the cylinders, and they're large. Two of them would look like a little bit smaller than air tanks, scuba tanks. You'd have them on a panel, and guys would go close to the front lines of where we're going to say we're going to attack. Say at 05, we're going to attack the section of the front. So they set up these things, and they had timer mechanisms in it so that the minute a certain time would kick in, these spark generators would kick in, and start jamming the frequencies that the Germans or the Japanese or whoever we were up against would be using for their communication. That would leave the other frequencies pretty much clear that we could use our radios. Ah. And I was reading reading somewhere about that, and they said that spark transmitter technology completely screws with digital transmission or any of the wavelengths that are out there where they're controlling these drones and everything else with. So... I mean, and it's something stupid. It's something simple. And son of a gun, it's not high tech, but it's old school. 
And so a lot of the old school stuff, whether it's equipment, whether it's radio gear that the Army had, it should not be dismissed. I hope that uh, some of the people listening don't think, oh, my God, I've got to go out and I've got to spend thousands and buy them the best and the most highest tech. No, you don't. No, you don't. So in, in many ways, some of that old technology, that old stuff is stronger and will put up with more abuse than some of the modern stuff that we've seen coming out of China. Oh, did I say that? Was that politically correct? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, listen, you just you were saying something at the beginning, and let me ask you about this because uh, uh, you uh, – did you mention something about this in the drone? Well, no, I was reading an article about it where people were talking about, I mean, how would you, how would you protect yourself, your property or anything if all of a sudden drones are coming in on you? Those spark oh, right, right. generators, those transmitters, if you have if you have spark a gap, spark transmitters going off, a drone is not going to be able to try to interfere with the signal. And you know how critical digital signal is. Well, I was just wondering if you couldn't. Uh, obviously, you know a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the drones are autonomous. You know they're working on uh, a set of commands that are pre-programmed into them. But uh, but some of them, at least the smaller ones. Uh, the ones that would be used, uh, say, locally, uh, are relying on radio communications uh, for their commands. There's got to be a way that you could uh, that you could figure out the bandwidth that they're using for those drones, and then uh, have exactly. one of these devices, one of these spark things, where you could yep. use to uh, uh, that to disable the drone. You can create a a drone-free zone. <laughs> I mean, there. I'm sure. I'm sure that it's not top secret what frequencies. I mean, they can't hide the frequencies from us. It's going to show up. And also, the drones, are they're showing live video feed. The pilots that are flying these, the real heavy-duty ones, I'm not talking like the model drones or the pre-programmed things. Anything that's got capability with live video and everything else, it's going to have a live pilot working with this thing. So that means it's going to have an uninterrupted stream of information going to it. All of a sudden, here comes a big old ugly spark that's going to just wipe the bandwidth clean and start doing it multiple times. That's about it, man. That thing's going down. That is very interesting. Yep. Well, maybe I, mean, I could, wish I was, uh, I wish I was, uh, put me in the green room later on and I'll, I'll give you a number in about, I'll tell you in about a half hour, 45 minutes. If, if you gave me a buzz, I can give you the model number and the TM number of, uh, the world war two version of the transmitter that you can read up on it. I'm sure it's online. So you can read up on how this thing works, how it worked in world war two. It's, but getting back to it, it's old school technology. It should not be dismissed. It still works perfectly well today. So you can have all your highbrow, high tech, everything else. It's kind of funny how a simple thing like that, just like a simple comparison, you got an M1 Abrams. Oh my God, that's state of the art, everything else. You douse that son of a gun with 20 gallons of gasoline and light it up, and what's it going to do? Well, can you uh, uh, can you go to the uh, the website, the uh, battleroadusa.com? I'm, 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 I'm in the market right now. I, I'm not, I'm, that's what I meant about I have no way to. Right. To okay. Well, listen, right I'll tell you what, uh, Sam is uh, Sam is great at this. He's going to uh, make sure that uh, we keep your phone number. On tap, yeah, and I may not be able to give you a call this evening, but I'll, I'll give you a call because I'd like to I'd like to find out more about this so that we can post the information 
because I think it's a great uh, thing, and also get uh, uh, you know get uh, Sparks uh, to uh, to to weigh in on this too, because I think that's also uh, you know a great uh, option to have. You know, I mean, you'd be able to literally create a zone, and, and just like how the military had it, where they were battery operated and they were spread out in different areas. How would they combat that? Right. they're transmitting intermittently, and they're all over the place. Jeez, right. you know, how are you going to, what are you going to do? So there's, there's no way. And it's, it's great. It's pretty ingenious, but it's funny. We used it in World War II. It can be used again today. Well, I'm glad you like the idea. We talk about that, and we, and, and, and we talk about how technologically advanced the stuff we are now. But look at what, uh, look what's mounted on top of every track, every tank. Uh, what's up on top? There's an M2 50 caliber machine yep. gun, and it that was thing is yeah, it's going. It's, it'll be a hundred years uh, yep. pretty soon. The uh, exactly. the, the uh, 1911, you know that uh, yep. that people carry, that people love. That thing is running on a hundred years. Where yep. you look at the uh, uh, the B-52 bombers, uh, those things are are. Uh, uh, over 50 years now. I mean, yep. we're uh, there. There's some things that are just really hard to make a whole lot better, and there's a lot of technology that uh, that we have now that's great. But there's also a lot of stuff that uh, that was that's still just as good today as it was in World War II. Yes, it is uh, absolutely. So, um, I mean, yes, the quality of the radios as far as distance and everything else has changed a lot. World War II, I mean, World War II was obviously a lot better than World War I. But we, had, we still had communications issues in World War II that caused a lot of problems. I mean, look at the handy talkie. Look at that walkie talkie that we had, that early one. What a piece of garbage. But we didn't right. have, and the Germans didn't have very much better. They had a little Dora portable thing, and they had a Feltru. They called it a backpack radio. It was like a Model 1306 that we had. They weren't very powerful. So we've, we've grown a lot since then, but a lot of the basic quality and attitudes and everything, yeah, it, it still works fine, and it, it's out there. And uh, the crank generators, I mean, it, it, they're still out there, and they still function. So that means you could actually right. pick up a surplus backpack radio, and uh, I saw, I saw a, 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 it mounts on like a, a tripod with a seat. It's a hand crank generator to power the radio with. And I uh-huh. just saw one sell at auction, brand new, and it was $120. So in an emergency, like you're saying, it could be a tornado or whatever, a disaster. If you needed it, you're not, you know it's going to work, even though it's designed 70 years ago, 60 years ago. And it came out post-World War II, 60 years ago. It still works. So, well, anyway, that was it. Glad I called in and... That's why I said, if you want, put me in the green room and let me talk to him and uh, make sure you've got my numbers. And I'd well, we'll do that. that information. Get, Sam, we'll grab your number for me and uh, and we'll talk to you and we'll get you uh, we'll get the information back out. So there's something that we like. I've got like for you here uh, already, Scout. Perfect. I knew you would. Uh, well, well, because it's something that I'd like to talk about again on a you know with a more specific. Uh, uh, it was more specific push and stuff for the thing. Well, listen, thanks, uh, thanks for calling in. Don't be a stranger. 
and uh, and please call in anytime. We've got uh, I don't even know how many radio line, how many phone lines I've got now. I have fifty. I think I got I think I've got a hundred now. So uh, <laughs> so they're being they're being well used. Uh, so call in anytime, and uh, that's going to do it for tonight, folks. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys this next Thursday, uh, seven p.m. Central, uh, for another edition of Battle Road. I want to thank uh, Spark31 for tonight. I want to speak, thank Mike uh, Vanderbo for Tuesday night's broadcast. You can find that in the archives if you go to the uh, uh, Battle Road Radio uh, on Blog Talk. You'll find uh, all of our shows that we've been doing for the last uh, almost six years now in the archives. You're welcome to listen to any of those. Uh, the older you get, the uh, the worse I'm going to suck, but uh, uh, but the information is still good. Thanks, Sam, for uh, being there every time that uh, we open the doors. And uh, like I said, we'll see you guys uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Until then, uh, God bless and keep all of you. And God bless and guide our hands in this because uh, our cause is just. All right.
Skies in the skies broadcasting live to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. Yeah. What's he gonna take me?